Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Well, thank you, Heidi and Austin and Paige, for reminding us of the incredible hope and peace and joy that Jesus brings to our lives, no matter what experiences uh, may be a part of that journey. And I pray as we continue our series on Advent, Uh, that all of us, no matter what we face, no matter what the storms of life may be, uh, I pray that we grab hold of the lifeline that Jesus gives us through his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. In fact, my prayer is that we as a church, or a church that fully embraces what it means to be family, Believers that walk alongside one another, that love one another, no matter what the experiences of life are. And this season of Advent begins with that expectancy reminding us of that very theme of walking alongside each other, because that is exactly what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus came, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Word of Life. He came not just to bring light to a dark world, But he came to walk alongside us, uh, to show us the very heart of God, to bring that hope and peace and joy. Uh, Always reminds me of Romans chapter 15, in fact, a verse in that text that is my favorite verse during the Advent season. Paul prays, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit multitude of ways that we can walk alongside each other, that we can bless and encourage one another. Uh, Obviously, these weekly worship gatherings are one way to encourage, uh, to bless the songs we sing, uh, the words we speak to one another, the hugs that we exchange, uh, the prayers that we offer. Uh, In particular, I would remind all of us that following our assemblies each Sunday, a couple of our elders and their wives are available to visit with you, to talk with you, Uh, to pray with you. Uh, One of our elders is always available in the prayer room in the Great Hall. Uh, Likewise, at the close of my message this morning, a couple of our shepherds will be here at the front. If there are ways that we can pray for you today or assist you in your walk with God, uh, we want to do that. In fact, I would remind you of a little phrase tucked away in the first paragraph of 1 John that really has been Uh, the verse that ushers us into what we're talking about in this series. Uh, The writer says, we are writing these things. Or if you would permit me this morning, I am speaking these things so that we may fully share our joy, uh, the joy that comes through Jesus Christ. Let me invite you to pray with me again as we prepare to study from God's Word. Let's pray. Uh, Father, sometimes uh, uh, it is just tough to grab hold of hope and peace and joy in a world where uh, so many things pull hope and peace and joy out from underneath us. Uh, But I pray, God, that as we remember the coming of Jesus, the one who walks alongside us, I pray that in spite of whatever struggles we may face, Within the depths of our being, we are able to grab hold of the hope and the peace and the joy that Jesus brings. And so to you, O God, be the glory and the honor and the praise. And to you, Jesus, may we live as you lived. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. 
Amen. Well, as Sam mentioned, we're about halfway through this little Advent series. Today is the third message. We've been exploring pieces of 1 John that speak in such powerful ways into the incarnation of of Jesus. And so in the first lesson, we focused on the opening paragraph in 1 John, where Jesus is described not just as the Word, as he is in the Gospel of John, but where he is described as the Word of life, the one who brings light into the world, the one who invites us into relationship with the divine family, the one who gives us hope and joy, the good news of the Advent season, that we are the recipients of those blessings. Last week, we focused on chapter 1, verse 7, where we are reminded that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And as we walk in the light, as our focus is on God, the blood of Jesus continues to wash over us, continues to cleanse us, to purify us from all sins, that as followers of Jesus, we experience confidence and assurance And as we looked at that little phrase last Sunday, I reminded us that to walk in the light doesn't mean that we live perfectly. We still struggle. We still cave in at times to temptation and sin. We face those storms of life, and yet we give our lives, our attention, our hearts to the one who is perfect. And so we talk about the perfect direction as we choose to live as Jesus lived. And so that idea of assurance and confidence is a theme that you see throughout 1 John. And a couple of weekends from now, Christmas weekend itself, we'll circle back as we look at some words in chapter 5 to be reminded of that assurance that is ours. Uh, Today, as we think about hope and peace and joy, I want us to turn our attention outward, that it's more than just focusing on and celebrating the blessings that we receive, but that we as followers of Jesus are called to extend those blessings to others. And I think that flows into this theme of love that I'll touch on today and that Joey will explore next Sunday as well. We choose to extend love to others. And so listen to these words from 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar uh, and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Let me underline that one. Those who say they live in God should live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. Rather, it is an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. And yet, it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. This commandment to love one another, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. 
But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. And then just two or three verses later, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our uh, achievements and possessions. Whereas older translations would word it, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. These are not from the Father, but they're from the world. And this world is fading away. Notice that line, is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. As I think about this little letter that we call 1 John at one level, I'm not sure you can separate the gospel of John from 1 John. So many images, so many word pictures that are found in both the gospel and in 1 John. Uh, you're certainly aware of the fact that John is one of the four gospels. But when you look at John compared to the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John is so different. John is so unique. Numerous moments and events that are only found in the gospel of John. And then all of these word pictures, all of these images that are woven through the gospel and that appear again in 1 John. Words like life and light, that Jesus is the Word. And again, specifically in 1 John, He is the Word of life that brings light to the world. And so images and word pictures of light versus darkness, walking in the light versus walking in the darkness, and woven through all of that, this theme of faith or trust. And as we put our trust in Jesus, the assurance and the confidence we experience. And then this idea reflected in the words that I read a moment ago, this idea of the old and the new. The old and the new. In fact, very similar, I think, to language that we find in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Uh, we're at a point in the Gospel of John where Jesus is having final conversations with his, his disciples before his betrayal and, and crucifixion. Uh, ultimately, he will remind them that even though he is leaving, they will not be alone. The Holy Spirit will be present. He has showed them his love by washing their feet during the Passover meal. And words that we know well, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Those of you who have heard me preach for any time know that any time I come to those verses in John chapter 13 where Jesus says, a new command I give you, I am prone to ask. And so what's new about the command? Because the command to love one another has been there for a long, long time. As 1 John will say, from the very beginning, obviously it is rooted in the Old Testament law where the Jewish people are challenged to love one another, to love their neighbor as they love themselves. And so what is new about this command to love one another? Maybe a lot of good answers. I think at the top of the list, we love as Jesus loved. That's what's new about it. 
a profoundness that is wrapped into the love Jesus has for us that we had never seen in this world until Jesus came in the flesh. And so the power of the incarnation, again, that brings a joy that explodes into a love that we have for others. We see that same thing over and over again in 1 John as the writer unfolds what it means to walk in the light versus walking in the darkness. And so he will say very directly, if you claim to walk in the light and yet you don't love others, you don't love your brothers and sisters, you're in the darkness. But if you love others, you're walking in the light. That's what it means to live as Jesus lived. It is an old commandment, the writer says, not a new commandment, and yet it is a new commandment. It's an old commandment. In fact, one chapter later in chapter 3, He'll say again, it is a message or a command that we have had from the very beginning. And so maybe for just a moment, think about the storyline from the very beginning. Because you see, the enduring theme of the Old Testament is the theme of God's forever love. The storyline of the Old Testament, the promises of God, promises that exude love and excitement and hope and peace and joy. All of that rooted in God's pursuing love for us. And so the writer says, it is an old commandment. It's a message we've had from the beginning. God's love, God pursuing us, God loving us, but it's also new. And so during this Advent season, we see the most profound demonstration of God's love imaginable. God himself comes into this world in the birth of Jesus, and lives as one of us, and ultimately sacrifices his life for us. And so in chapter 4, the writer will say, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then here's the implication for the morning as we think about fleshing out peace and hope and joy in our lives as we love others. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, that's where I'm going, that we allow that hope and peace and joy to live out in our lives as we love others. But as we talk about that direction, the question might be, so why spend so much time talking about God's love? Even in 1 John, why spend so much time talking about God's love? Because this call for us to love each other is rooted in God's love for us. It is rooted in the incarnation. When we really grab hold of what the incarnation is all about, when we really grab hold of that, then we are moved, we are convicted, we are led to be people that exude those kinds of blessings to others as well. And in fact, did you notice the contrast in the reading from a few moments ago? The contrast between those things which can be the objects of our love or our affection. On one hand, love God and love others. On the other hand, the writer talks about a pursuit of this world, loving the things of this world. But as he urges us not to love the things of this world, the cravings that are wrapped into this world, he reminds us that those things ultimately fade away. They don't bring real meaning. They don't bring real hope and peace and joy. And I really think we see that kind of contrast during the Advent season. 
hopefully many, many folks, certainly followers of Jesus, who are led to truly embody what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And yet we live in a world that gets so caught up in material possessions and the consumerism of our day. And we turn around a week or two later and realize how in debt we are financially because we overdid and we focused on those things that fade away. Rather, the writer of 1 John challenges us to live as Jesus lived. And at the heart of living as Jesus lived is this old commandment to love one another, which is not just an old commandment, but it is a new commandment as well. In fact, the line is Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. And so we're challenged to live as Jesus lived, to love others. And while that is so important during every season of life, how important it is during this season, as many folks who might not otherwise ever think about Jesus, as many folks think about Jesus, and we have the wonderful privilege, just as Jesus did, to step in and walk alongside. And so in the moments I've got left, let me point us to a text in the Gospel of Luke. And then I want to share an illustration that we actually began about a month ago. From Luke chapter 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and that's an interesting line in and of itself, Pharisees who were often so critical of Jesus. But this particular Pharisee invites Jesus to have dinner with him. Now, that's not the end of the story, so stay with us. And so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Got to pause for a moment. A woman who lived a sinful life. What kind of sinful life? Well, Luke doesn't tell us. Maybe intentionally in order for us to kind of fill in the blanks. So are we talking about the town drunkard? Are we talking about the town prostitute? What kind of sinful life was she living? Whatever it may have been, it seems like everybody knows about her and the kind of life she's living. But Luke tells us she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume as she stood behind him. Houses that would have been more open than our houses typically are. And so she's able to make her way into this room where they are eating. She came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, Maybe nothing came out verbally. He said to himself, maybe he's mumbling. If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Similar to other stories in the Gospel of Luke, where Pharisees and others criticized Jesus for associating with tax collectors and sinners. Why? If he's really a prophet, if he's really from God, he'd know what kind of person this person is. He'd know this person is a sinner, and God doesn't have anything to do with sinners, right? If he is really who he claims to be. 
if Jesus is really a prophet. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Jesus says two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, and so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Now, keep in mind, that's a story. That's an analogy. No matter what may have been owed, you would hope the depth of a love would overflow from those who are forgiven. But as we think about debts and sins, we tend to rank them, don't we? We talk about the big sins and we talk about the little sins. And so Jesus says, which of them will love him more? And the man says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Let me again hit the pause button. How big of a sinner are you? Am I? And especially when we start comparing, dare we do that? When we start comparing ourselves with others in the church or in the community, are they bigger sinners than we are in our judgment? Are we more righteous than they are? And then Jesus turned to the woman. But he's speaking to Simon. Simon, do you see this woman? Hang on to that question for a moment. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever's been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The coming of Jesus into this world, the incarnation, this season of Advent is a profound reminder that God sees us. We're created in the image of God, and in spite of our sin and brokenness and heartache and storms of life, Jesus still sees us. And he still loves us in spite of all of those things. Now, the analogy is not perfect, but just like a parent who embraces and cradles a child who is sick physically. We don't run from the child who's sick. We love, we embrace. So also Jesus sees us in our sin and our brokenness. And he doesn't turn away from us. He doesn't ostracize us. He doesn't run away from us. He loves and embraces. He sees us. And that is the precise question that Jesus asked Simon the Pharisee. Do you see the woman? Well, at one level, he saw her because he's certainly aware of the interaction going on between the woman and Jesus. But at another level, might I suggest, he doesn't see her at all. He doesn't see her hurt and her brokenness and her need. He doesn't see her as someone who's valuable, someone created in the very image of God. And the question is, what about us? 
how do we respond when we see folks on the margins, when we see folks who are guilty of the big sins? Do we turn away or do we love and embrace just like a parent loves and embraces a sick child? Simon, do you see her? You see, if we truly see people, if we truly see people, we will love people. We will extend joy and peace and hope. We will honor. We will respect. We will serve. In fact, our English word respect comes from a Latin root that communicates the idea of look again. We see more than just a sinful woman. We see a person created in the very image of God who needs the love of God and who needs the love of God's people. We look again. Sometimes that takes place in big ways, but I suspect most often it takes place in little ways where we don't just pass people by, but we look again. We see. And so the illustration I share with you today began for me at least with an interview with three of the young ladies in our youth group a few weeks ago, Annie Luft, Emmy Dawson, and Sophie Drumright. The three of them ran with an idea called Bless You Bags, a challenge for us to keep bags with articles in those bags in our cars. And as we encounter folks, as we look, as we see, as we encounter folks that we believe need a helping hand, that need a word of blessing, that need encouragement, that we step into those opportunities and we become the very presence of Jesus in their lives. After I interviewed them on that Sunday morning, they were also interviewed by a reporter with KCBD. I want to play that interview for you this morning and let you see how this little idea of blessing others, seeing others continues to grow. And while the words that all three of these young ladies speak are powerful, I want you to especially notice the words that Sophie Drumright speaks. We want to make sure she says that these people are noticed, that we see them. Turn your attention to the screens. It is the season of giving, and three Lubbock teenagers want to help you do that. They're selling Bless You bags so you can be a blessing to someone in need. KCBD News Channel 11's Brittany Michelson tells us how this all started and how it's already making an impact. Annie Luft, Emmy Dawson, and Sophie Drumright say they're blessed. They want to share those blessings with others. They're just a little bag full of like basic things that we have every day, but some people don't always have access to. They're selling bless you bags filled with toiletries, snacks, a water bottle, gloves, a beanie, a Bible verse, and a handwritten note. Well, it was actually something that started with my grandma and my brother. When he was little, he just has always had a heart for other people. The idea is that you keep one or several bags in your car, so when you see someone in need, you can give one to them. The girls reached out to Open Door Lubbock to see what people experiencing homelessness would need. The teens have been on several mission trips with their church to Los Angeles and Corpus Christi, but wanted to make an impact here at home. And just making sure that these people know that they're like noticed and that people, we see them. And it's not just we drive by and we don't do anything, but we see them. We want to actually change their lives and make that difference instead of just 
doing nothing. They'd sold bracelets before, raising money to one day donate to a nonprofit. I was like, I have the money, guys. <laughs> They used that to make and sell 40 bags for five bucks each on a Wednesday night at church. Then they got to tell the congregation about them on a Sunday. We want to plant a seed here and then all of y'all spread those seeds. After the service, they sold 60 more bags, raising $2,000 in sales and donations. A few days later, they were sent this video. Willow, a five-year-old girl, asked her parents if she could give a bag to their friend David. She was like, I just need to go help him. So she went and gave him a blessy bag. And you could tell, like, he asked her to pray over him. And it just, I could tell it just changed, like, at least his whole week and maybe his life. The girls encourage you to create your own bless you bags and bless someone you see. We have information on how to purchase a bag or donate to their cause at kcbd.com. Brittany Michelson, KCBD News Channel 11. And they will be available in the Great Hall again this morning if you would like to continue to join us in that journey of blessing others. Small ways and yet profound demonstrations of the love of God. Jesus, the word of life, came in order to bring us hope, peace, joy, and love. And today that invitation is ours. And so if you're struggling with life, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, whatever may be going on in your journey, we want to bless and serve you. Again, a couple of our shepherds will be here at the front, but it doesn't stop there. The invitation is, the challenge is just as Jesus sees us. We're challenged to see others and to love as Jesus loved. And by the way, Jesus does remind us that's how the world will know that we are his followers. Let's stand together as we sing.